2: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
3: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I apologize. I'm a little stuffy, but I'm Ray Harkins. I'm your host. I'm hanging out here with people who are involved in independent music, whether it's like, you know, behind the scenes stuff, working at record labels, or whether it's like, you know, on stage playing in bands or uh, you could have just been, you know, hanging out, going to shows when you were younger, and then take all those principles and apply them to your life in different avenues. So that that's those are those are the ways that you get on the show. Because frankly, there are people who have hit me up and are like, "Hey, uh, could I have this person on the show?" And I try to find some link to independent music to what it is that they're doing. And there are times where I'm just like, I I can't see it. I don't know. I I can't do it. And I don't want to sit here and. Talk to a person who um, you know really doesn't have any context for where it is that we're coming from. So, anyways, that's that's a long preamble. But the guest, this chat was so damn good. It is with Brian Garris. He is the vocalist for the band Knocked Loose, who is a hardcore band from the Louisville, Kentucky area, the suburbs. And you, you'll hear me get some pretty specific with them in regards to that, just because. Um, yeah, I. I've, have been personally obsessed with the Louisville music scene for quite some time, played some shows there, met a lot of people, uh, involved in that community. And I've just always been really, really impressed with what they do. So, um, yeah, but Knocked loose are a band that I think a lot of people unfairly malign because they don't feel like they are, uh, you know, true quote unquote hardcore and whatever, I'll more on that in a few moments, but let's get some uh, business pleasantries out of the way. Some things that I would like to inform you about because they will enrich your life in very positive ways. And one of the first things is symbol.fm. So for those of you that have are familiar with the service, awesome, great. You're following me on symbol. Great. That's awesome. We can share music. But for those of you that are not in the know, please pull out your phone, which you're probably using right now to listen to this very podcast, download symbol.fm, or you can go to the app store and you can find it there. It is a incredible app in which you are able to share music. uh, You are able to see easily what your friends that are on symbol are listening to. And uh, there's just so many features about it that are awesome. And it's cool too, because the service actually pipes into streaming revenue that these artists make. So it's not like, other applications in which you know you listen to a song and there's no sort of royalty that's paid on it but this is different so simple fm is an incredible service please follow me on there it's x purpose x and you can find me and we can share music we can talk chat say yo that's good give you a like all that other fun stuff so please it's a very very fun app do that now you also need to go pre-order the new rise against record called wolves go to riseagainstshop.com. You've heard me talk about how amazing this band is. The record is is just top shelf. Just like if you have any inkling of liking Rise Against in the past or like punkish, aggressive-ish hardcore, this record is so for you. And if you haven't listened to Rise Against, where have you been? I mean, they're one of the most popular rock bands around now, and it's so great because they actually stand for something and they express their opinions. It's really, really good stuff, so please go to RiseAgainstShop.com, and you can dive into all the pre-order packages they have. record comes out in early June, and they're touring all summer long with my good friends in Thrice and Deftones. It's going to be an amazing bill. I can't wait to go to that show, so please, Rise Against, do it up. And I also want to tell you about another amazing podcast on our Jabberjaw Media Network, and that is the Metal Sucks podcast. These dudes know what they're talking about. It's not too dissimilar to what this show does, but basically, they they are hyper focused on metal and all of its its subgenres. But basically, they have people from like Between the Buried and Me, The Black Dahlia Murder, I Hate God, Royal Thunder. You know, it, it's a it's a who's who of the metal scene and who they speak to, and it's just really fun, enlightening conversations. So I highly recommend you listening to the Metal Sucks podcast. And you can find it, obviously, on any podcatcher that you are listening to podcasts on, or you can go to jobberjobmedia.com and find out more about that show and so many other shows that you should probably be checking out and listening to. So, yeah, that's that. And uh, like I said, Brian, we hung out on Skype one afternoon and um, it was just a very it was a fun conversation. Like I felt growing more fond of him as a person the longer that we spoke and um yeah, I don't know. I just I really enjoy these relationships that I create with people. And I often say after after we're done recording, I'm like, Hey, the next time we're in the same room together, I'm gonna make sure to um, you know, say hi to you and introduce myself and then that way we actually have that sort of connective tissue because uh, you know, I feel we get pretty deep here at this you know at these shows and uh sometimes i feel strange about that where i'm like oh man i've just had this one random interaction with the person and i'm never going to speak to them again so anyways it's fun stuff but brian um is a very well-spoken eloquent dude um he's very young like early 20s and um yeah just shared a lot of opinions about the notion of being in like touring bands and having to be you know convinced (laughs) to go out on the road and all that sort of stuff i mean well not convinced. Uh, like literally But just you know He was wrestling around With a lot of things Before this band Kind of uh, you know Popped off But anyways Here is my discussion With Brian And I will talk to you After the yeah. episode yoga. Um, it was it was one of those things, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid-30s. I've been, you know, involved in independent music for quite some time. And so anytime you see a band's name starting to pop up and, um, you know, I've, I've known Jake over at Pure Noise for a while. He's mentioned you guys, obviously. Um, but uh, I, I always really, once I dove into, you know, your music and, and the band and everything like that, I love the fact that, you know, you were from a place where, not very many hardcore bands exist, like when people mention Kentucky, they're always like Louisville, you know, like that's a vibrant music scene, yeah, but where you're from, like you know from a wider national perspective, no one is like, "Oh yeah, like that's exactly where you know the birth the hotbed of hardcore is, um yeah, and every interview always mentions it as far as like oh, you it's weird, you guys are from Kentucky, but the i'm sure it's one of those things where as you have toured and traveled out in the world where you see how it's probably much easier for people in different scenes to kind of plug themselves into it where i'm sure it was a little maybe harder work for you guys to not only like just play shows but just kind of exist as a band or am i wrong in that assumption
4: well the one thing that um the one like misleading thing that I feel like we've done, uh, as far as like when we like rep Oldham County so hard, is that uh, we gave the illusion that it was like it's it, its own scene, mm-hmm. whereas like Oldham County doesn't necessarily have a scene. It's just Louisville, and um, we are only like thirty minutes outside of Louisville. Okay. Uh, the the whole reason that we started like repping Oldham County so hard was because like. You're obviously going to have the people that are like Super um, Super strict on what they consider hardcore Or what they consider metalcore I feel like that's like a huge topic nowadays yes. And um, when we first started As a band Everything that we did was looked at On a local scene Like we never thought that the band would Ever break out of Kentucky So like we were looking up to Louisville local bands Uh, Louisville hardcore bands and we were so nervous that they were gonna be like well you guys aren't hardcore and kinda like give us like the cool guy treatment Mm -hmm. that we were like "We're, we're just gonna call ourselves Oldham County hardcore because we're the only band from Oldham County so nobody in Oldham County can tell us that we're not hardcore like kind of as a joke and then we ended up like all the Louisville people like everybody in the Louisville hardcore scene is like our best friends like we are very blessed with uh, the scene that we have, but when we started touring, we were like, let's just keep that joke going. Like, we had already put it on like t-shirts that we had sold locally. And now it's just kind of like, I don't want to say a gimmick because like, I never want to be like that kind of band, but um, the more we've done it, the more that me personally have just like fallen in love with it. Like I'm the one in the band that like pushes it super hard. Like, I'm the one that's telling the guys like, can we make our backdrop just say Oldham County? And they're like, no, Brian, like it has to say our band name. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I, I mean, to, to your point, like I, I, I could see why you'd want to do that, especially from the, uh, I mean, maybe not the backdrop, like we were, like you were just saying, but the idea of identifying with a particular, um, you know, city that uh, you can kind of carve your own identity out of, um, even though, you know, like you said, you were just in a suburb of Louisville, um, I just think it's a you know it's in the same way where it's like you know I I'm I'm here in Orange County, California, and you know there obviously hardcore has been you know through many many different changes as far as sound and everything else, but like it's always been so distinct from you know Los Angeles or San Diego, and I think that uh, yeah I mean I, it, granted it's a much you know smaller scale. Uh, geographical distance in what you're talking about, but I can see, yeah. when, especially too, when you're just like you know your kids, and you're like, "Hey, let's just rep, let's rep our uh, our particular city or county, and uh, you know that'll that'll be the thing."
4: Yeah, and and like on another hand, like a lot of it comes from like um, I don't know if you're familiar with the term like Midwest blood, um, but we uh, we rep that pretty hard too and um that's basically just something that um zach from expire created that was like for bands like in the midwest that kind of have to like work harder for the things that they want because you're in a place like the midwest um and i i guess like we kind of like um took that like pride into like our county too like we're so in the middle of nowhere that we're not even in a major city. We're in this small little county that's like 30 minutes outside of a major city. And I think that it's rare to find the band that all of the band members live in one place and we do all live in one County. Yeah. No, that that's a very, well, our guitar player, I will be honest and nobody knows this. And I hope they don't start giving us crap for it. But our guitar player actually lives in a different County um, he is the only one that doesn't live in Oldham County, so I don't know if that makes a fake. But
3: <laughs> so yeah, four fifths of the band is from Oldham. Well, what, what's the county that he lives in?
4: It's called Middletown.
3: Okay, yeah. Just, I, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and render a verdict that you guys are total posers. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's it, it's cool because I, I I see. I mean, I'm glad you brought the point of you know Midwest and hardcore because most of it most of that idea is definitely tied up in the fact that you have to drive a lot farther in order to you know get to the the coast well not a lot farther but you are you know so you're centrally located so it's easier to you know pop out to the west coast or east coast rather than east coast going all the way to the west coast but because of that um you know that central location you're definitely in a a place that you know might not have as many you know cool cities to play i mean you know from experience where it's like you go out to the east coast and you start to play new jersey and boston and new york and you're like what do you mean these are all like two-hour drives like this is amazing i could stay at like one friend's house and like that's all i need to do
4: yeah exactly or like you go out to California and you can do an entire week of shows and only drop like five hours in total.
3: <laughs> Dude, that's that's amazing. Yeah, you're just like, this is this is great and all the shows are like distinctly different and good and uh, different kids and then even if kids wanted to obviously travel up and down then they could do that too but um, yeah. yeah. But that's, no, I, I, I get and it's it. It's
4: crazy to see how like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off but it's crazy to see like how used to that some people get because like you have kids that are so used, to, like we've done tours where we've played Anaheim, Los Angeles, and Van Nuys, like and rural and those are like not far from each other at all. Right. And um, and you get kids that are like so used to just going to like their home venue that like the next time we play L.A. and not Van Nuys, kids are like, man, why aren't you coming to Van Nuys? It's like, come on, man. Like you can make the drive. Like in Kentucky, like we get skipped over a lot when it comes to major tours so then like the closest like major city that we have to go to is Chicago that's a five hour drive (laughs) Right. so that's like ten hour travel time if we want to see some bands that we like or like you you just get used to driving in general like Indianapolis Mm -hmm. Cincinnati Nashville Columbus like the whole like tri-state area like um it's just like normal yeah totally and then, and then you have some kids that are like just so used to like having everything so close to them
3: right hey why why aren't you playing 5 minutes from my house dude what the hell's wrong with you
4: <laughs> yeah right yeah so the famous thing when you post a tour flyer and yep. it's just comments complaining that you didn't come to their city
3: totally or or come to brazil <laughs> yeah yeah um so you you yourself were you born and raised in Oldham County or where did you uh, grow up
4: well I was born in uh, Louisville um and but I only was in Louisville until I was in like the first grade and then we moved out to Oldham County and um I think my parents just wanted to like get out of the city go mm-hmm. so, to like a smaller county and um the Oldham County Public Schools are like some of the best public schools in Kentucky um got it. As far as like test scores and everything, so like they they really wanted um they started having like my brothers and they really wanted all three of us to have the chance to have like a really good um school experience.
3: Sure, sure. Yeah, education is, you know, clearly important whether or not you care about it. It's important to at least have the opportunity to not be in a terrible school.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> the uh so where do you land on that? So you have two other brothers? Yeah. Okay, and where do you land? Are you? Middle I have tra- two
4: younger brothers. Uh, ah, you're the, tra-
3: uh, the trailblazer. Yeah, you're the first on the scene.
4: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. I have um, my brother under me at 16. Um, his name is Dallas. He is my best friend in the whole world. Um, he is just like a, a copy of me. Like, if you've seen <laughs> me, then you've seen him. He's just a little bit shorter, but we have the same exact interests and... He's actually sang for a band before and he sings on our record. Um and then my youngest brother Trey, he's fourteen, and he has his own interests, like he's doing his own thing, and we're trying we're trying to pull him into our world. And he comes to shows with us and he has a really good time, but it isn't something that's like stuck with him yet. He's into like video games and sports.
3: Mm-hmm. That's that's cool that you are, because, uh, you, you know, sometimes siblings feel like they need to go on their own path and have their own interests and, um, you know, just find their own way. And it's cool that you are, like, drafting them into, hey, this is what, like, uh, punk and hardcore is. Like, how about you, you know, come come follow me. Like, hopefully you're really into this. And then, uh, yeah, then you have, he, yeah. like you said, your best friend is your brother. And that's awesome to hear.
4: Yeah, I took him to his first show when he was, like, 12 or 13. I can't remember, but um, it was kind of just like he was sitting at home and I was like, Do you want to come with me? And um, he had a really, really good time. And I remember on the way home, I was like, Okay, um, you'll never miss a show again. And he's like, What do you mean? And I was like, If you ever want to go, you have a ride. And so, like, he's basically like growing up within the hardcore scene because like another thing that I'm really happy with Louisville is like, it's a very fragile scene because it's not that big. So we like really rely on the people that come. Like we really care about the venues that we have because we know that they're like not going to stay because they never do. We really care about the kids that come. We know that like if a fight breaks out, like there's a possibility that we're going to, lose that kid and all of his friends because they don't want to come to shows to get beat up so like when I was growing up like in the hardcore scene I had the older guys that would like oh you need a ride I'll come pick you up and I'll take you or like oh you don't have any money for the show like I'll pay your way to get in blah 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 so like I kind of like instilled that in my younger brother Dallas and he just got hooked immediately and he goes to like every single show and Trey not so much. I I gave Trey the same speech, right. but he was just like, "Yeah, that's cool."
3: Yeah, he's like, "That's cool," but I'm gonna. I'll, I'll play video games over here.
4: The show is sponsored
2: by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small. Like man, that parking space—it's always taken, and I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of you know this person that maybe you know is the most courteous and considerate.
3: Yeah, I I really, I really like the point you brought up about the, uh, you know, the Louisville scene in general, just kind of taking care of each other. Because I mean, I've, I frankly have always been obsessed with Louisville. Um, Like every show I've ever played there, with uh, all the bands I've played in, have always been incredible. Like you know, became friendly with the Patterson brothers, and like you know, I, I just love so much that comes out from that scene. And it always has struck me that even though sonically speaking, so many bands are so different from one another, but they all kind of, you know, basically let each other do what they need to musically, but kind of support them, you know? I mean, everything from, it's like, you know, like I was mentioning, all, all the Patterson Brother bands, and then, you know, it kind of, you know, bleeding over to, you know, bands like Xerxes and all that sort sort of stuff. And then, you know, now the, even though you guys are nothing like all of those bands, that there's still that general sense of, of respect and the fact that you guys have, you know, been raised within that scene. It's a, uh, it, it's, it's cool to hear. Cause I think a lot of people that would look at knock loose are just like, Oh, whatever. It's like, you know, five dumb kids from the Midwest making like beatdown music. But like that, that's, that's not the case.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Like, I mean, perfect, perfect example is, uh, two years ago we went on tour with a band from Louisville caught another mistake and if you've ever heard of another mistake you know exactly how like opposite of us that they sound like they sound like carry on and we were just like who cares let's go Like, let's, and it was one of the funnest tours I've ever done because it's the only tour I've ever done with like people from Louisville so it was like we were friends leaving and we were friends coming back and we've continued to be friends since but I see them a lot more than the other friends that I make on tour you know what I mean?
3: Oh, absolutely. Totally. No, it's really cool. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And that, like I said, I, the, this is something I was going to bring up a little bit later, but I, I think a lot of people, especially, you know, when they look at a, a band like you guys who, you know, you've put in your hard work and, you know, you've released music that, uh, you know, it, impacts people but it's you know like you were talking about before the idea of uh, you know the difference between hardcore and metalcore and like how you, you know this band is posers and knock loose is the real deal or vice versa where people are like oh you guys are posers because you know you're just trying to hop on a trend or whatever you know I, i'm sure you've seen the criticism that it, you know happens out there but to me i just I, looking under the surface it's like it, you guys truly do care about you know fostering a scene and being able to help people you know understand that you know you're not simply just you know tapping into the latest trend or whatever
4: oh yeah 100% I like I don't want to keep like referring to but like growing up in like such a like I said this before like a fragile hardcore system where like it's not it's just it's hard work like we were on the last tour that we did like our only sound guy for like all hardcore shows, um, he he moved. He was just like, "Hey guys, I'm moving, so I can no longer do sound." And then, and like to a lot of people, like that might be a small deal, but to us, we're just like, "What the heck!" Like the people that that book hardcore shows in Louisville, are like my my friends and they've got a whole calendar of shows coming up and it's like, well, great. How do we do shows now? And at the same time, we lost one of our like last all ages venues because like, we just don't do 21 and up in Louisville because we have a very, very like wide scene as far as like from kids that are like literally 14 years old to people that are literally like in their late thirties. Um, and we, re- we rely on, like, all of them coming, so we just don't do 21 and up, and losing another all-ages you is just, like... So, like, I was, like, texting people that, like, live in Louisville that, like, have put on shows before, and I'm like, hey, like, if you need help, like, I'll rent a PA, and, and we can, like, do it this way, or, like, if there's anything that I can do, let me know, like, from the road, because, like, I knew that when I, when I come come home like I want to start going I want to go to Louisville shows and um, it's just really fragile so like I think that I'm, I'm very lucky to be with four other guys that have that like same mindset as in like this isn't just like handed to us and I'm, I'm not just like trying to like pump up knocked loose like anybody in the Midwest knows what this like it's not just like Handed to you, it's it's hard work, and you have to like you have to give as much as you're getting, or it will just like slowly fade away.
3: Yeah, no, it's a it's a really good point. I mean, you know, people can look at what a band like Modern Life is War did, and um, I think it you know makes what bands from you know just the Midwest in general um, you know get kind of pushed up where they do you know if, if a band does kind of break through and start to become you know whatever successful may mean to them um people do i think recognize the fact that it's like oh cool like you know this is a, a band from an area that isn't commonly represented within our you know typical hardcore scene and you know frankly we'll have a different perspective you know because you being raised from where you were and like you said being experiencing the scene from where you were at in a local level um is different than people that you know n- not not better or worse, but just different because, you know, people in LA have music every night of the week and, you know, can go to like five shows a night if they really wanted to. So, um, yeah, it's different. But how, speaking of that, how, how did you get, uh, introduced to independent music in general? Um, because yeah, I'm I'm sure obviously it was somewhat via the internet, but you know, were there uh, other kind of entry points to you?
4: Um, well, actually I, I was raised on hip hop. Um, my mom loves hip hop. She always has, um, specifically like East coast hip hop. Um, and that's like, I was fully about it. And then one summer when I was like, 11, 12, like around that age, I spent a couple weeks with my aunt and she kind of just like pushed it on me. Um, which is funny because like not a lot of people have stories of like their aunt introducing them to heavy music, but she showed me like system of a down and corn and stuff. and like your, your bands like that. And I like instantly fell in love and I took that home with me. And I remember we had dial up internet, um, the kind of internet where, like, you can't use your house phone while you're on it, and it takes, like, a day and a half to download a song.
1: <laughs> right, totally. The,
3: uh... Yeah, you just... And uh, You're just sitting there and praying that no one calls.
4: Yeah. So, we would, um... I would watch Headbangers Ball every Saturday with a notebook in my lap, and I would write down all the bands that I liked. And then... I would spend the rest of the week trying to download those three songs or whatever, like... And I would do that every Saturday, and it got to the point where, I'm like... I would have, like, my friends come over, like, come over and let's watch Headbangers Ball, like, and, um, yeah, I found a lot of bands that way and a lot of bands that, like, I still listen to, like, I mean, that was the first time I found Hate hey that was the first time I found Under Oath, like, and, um,
3: that's awesome. So it was just, it basically, it was like your, your, if you had an independent record store, uh, you know, like right in your town, you know, clearly Louis, well, Louis, gosh, I'm totally blanking on the un- unbelievable record store that no longer exists in Louisville that I, Oh, ear ecstasy. That's right. That was, that's right. Of yeah, yeah. So basically it was like your ear ecstasy except, you know, piping right into your house.
4: <laughs> yeah. And, um, Oh, man,
3: I forgot what I was going to say. No, nah, it's okay. <laughs> the, but the... Uh, so, so basically, it was, you know, you, you music was important to you because of, uh, you know, your mom's love for it. And you saw how much joy, you know, it brought her and then, you know, her showing that to you and everything. Um, and so... It kind of, oh,
4: yeah, my whole... Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. But my whole family is, like, has, like, roots in music. Like, every side of my family. My mom's dad... Played bass, like played jazz bass and sang for like almost his entire life, and he was like pretty successful with it. He got the opportunity to like go to Europe and do all these amazing things. And then, like, my grandma on my dad's side, she was a country singer and she used to perform in front of hundreds, if not thousands, of people. Uh, My uncle on my dad's side was a really, really good drummer. I've got a cousin on my mom's side that play guitar and his dad actually managed all of his bands. So like his dad used to like build stages for venues that didn't have them. And because he was like trying to help his son's band get further. So like I've always had like deep roots within music on like every side. But when I was like in the hip hop, it was like, well, I can't really, like, contribute to this conversation because, like, I don't make music. I just, like, listen to people rap. You know what I mean? And not to, like, downplay hip-hop music because I still have a, a strong love for it, but um I remember once I started playing music, that was, like, a a gateway to get closer with my pop, like, my mom's dad, the bass player, because, like, I obviously looked up to him because he was just, like, so cool. And I was just, like, now I have something to talk to him about. You know what I mean? Right.
3: No, totally, totally. Um, And so what did your, uh, like, were your mom and dad in the house? Uh, Like, what were they doing for work? And how how was your, um, you know, your household looking as you were growing
4: up? Um, When I was really young, my dad worked um, at this, like, factory that made overhead conveyor belts that held like refrigerators and like really heavy stuff for like the inside of warehouses. And that job required him to travel a lot. Um, so he traveled for, I I don't even remember around the time he stopped, but, um, he hated just being gone from like the family. And my mom was like, obviously like stay at home mom since, um, my dad was traveling, but then my dad ended up quitting so that he could be with the family more, and then we, and then he started working at this company where it's like a paper product company. They make paper products, like paper plates and stuff, and worked his way up to where now he's like one of the managers, and he still works there, um, and my mom now works at Republic Bank it's like a local bank in Kentucky and she loves it because my mom is like such a people person. Um, she's great with people. Um, and did you, did you, so yeah,
3: that, yeah, did you have, um, you know, like how was your relationship with them as you started to, you know, experiment with this style of music, which, you know, clearly they had an understanding for music, but you know, it were once you started to bring home records and started to, uh, you know, showcase the fact that you were into this really aggressive music. Uh, How they react to it? Were they scared, or
4: were they like, "Oh,
3: like, well, let's 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 let him be into this, <laughs> just for what it is."
4: Yeah. Well, I've I've always had a really really great relationship with my parents. Um, it's something that I, I try my hardest not to take for granted. Um, I mean, when I was in high school, I obviously went through like the angsty phase where they were out to get me and all we did was argue. And in reality, they just wanted me to graduate. And other than that, like they don't care. Like that was always their thing, no matter what I did, like no matter like what I was listening to, or if I was like trying to pierce up my face, they, they didn't care as long as I got good grades. Like my dad's thing was like, you can look like a punk, but you can't act like a punk. Uh and they were really good about giving me like that freedom to like be who I want to be. But at the same time, they kept me in line. Um, because like I didn't, I was an idiot and I didn't care about high school and I wouldn't have graduated if it wasn't for the way that they handled it. But then as soon as I graduated, we just got closer. And now they're like both like friends. Like I call them every day. Um, it's great, like, I I love my, I've always had a great relationship with my parents, and they've supported me through, like, everything that I've done, um, when I dropped out of college to, like, pursue Knocked Loose, they supported me, and now that I'm making, like, a little bit of money, they're definitely happier about it, Right. but, um,
3: yeah, well, because that's, that's always the marker of, like, you know provable success to you know parents is like hey like i i promise the thing that i'm not that i'm pursuing is not going to leave me like completely destitute like you know i'm not going to be like yeah. homeless in the streets but still on tour uh you know even though that may be a fine line <laughs> but still like there is that uh, yeah. that notion that your parents will be like okay like i understand like the fact that he can come home with rent like okay he's he's not uh, he's not too too bad off
4: yeah, 100, yeah. and and now to um, it's grown on them and they're actual fans. Um, it started with "Knocked Loose," which was like an obvious bias, um, but they like found songs throughout our record that they liked because they would listen to it. To like, they like pre-ordered it to support me, and when they listened to it, they were like, "This is good." And now it's to the point where my mom is looking up bands on her own and texting me like we were on tour with every time i die and she was texting me like hey i like these songs by every time i die and like gave me a list and i was just like whoa that's crazy because i've definitely been like trying to make you listen to them since i was in middle school and you just tell me to turn it off but um yeah i'm converting them as well
3: (laughs) that's awesome that's really cool um, and so did you, uh, is Knock Loose ostensibly your first band or did you have other uh, projects that you tried to do before this?
5: I
4: had like several bands that like never did anything. Yeah. Um, just got to like the playing local, st- local show phase and just kind of like phased out and, and, the band that I was in before Knocked Loose was the one that um, I took, like, the most serious. And I, like, really, really pushed for it. And um, when that band broke up, I was like, yeah, I'm done. Like, I still, I'm still i still going to love the music. And if I get the opportunity to write the music, then I will. But I'm not going to, like, put all my eggs in one basket. And, like, I went to college. And when we started Knocked Loose, I was like, I don't want to tour. I just want to write music. Right. And then, like, maybe if it doesn't interfere with my schedule, we'll play some shows. And they were just like, yeah, that's cool. Like, we're just, we are just just want to jam. And I was like, yeah, I want to go to college. And, and then things started, like, popping off. And I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Right.
3: <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm convinced. Uh, yeah. Sorry, two, two trains of thought here. But uh, what were you studying in school?
4: Um, I was I was just going to like a community college to get my basics out of the way. Sure. And then I had planned on going for, um, like education. Oh. Okay. To be like a teacher. Oh, nice. I still like think that that would be really cool. Um, like I've uh, I've been talking to my girlfriend recently about maybe doing like online classes. Yeah, dude. Do so it. that like just yeah, like just in case. Worst case scenario, an loose goes belly up. I don't have to start from scratch when it comes to school. Um,
3: yeah, no, that's a re- that's a really good train of thought because de- I mean, y- y- I mean, I know you've met people like this where <clears throat> their only interest lies in uh, you know the music they create and the band that they're in, which is you know clearly fine. Like that's something everybody should be yeah. passionate about when they're doing it. Um, but when you feel like they have no other interest or like plan or passion outside of that, it's always like. Really? Like, like you legitimately only think about this? <laughs> that those are the yeah. people, those are the people that you do get concerned about. Where you are like, "Yo, dude! Like, you are not going to be fifty-five playing, you know, playing in a hardcore band or whatever. Yeah, you, you you need to have something else going on. Whether it's, you know, it, it could be anything, but it's like, yeah, those are the people you are concerned about. But that's cool that you have that passion of of you could see education being a uh, interesting thing to pursue.
4: Yeah, I've always been interested in it um well i wouldn't say always i would say like right after i graduated and then, like looking back like at all the teachers that i was gonna miss and i was just like man that teacher was tight like right and then i was like man that'd be that'd be cool to like play that role in somebody's life like i feel like high school is such like a detrimental time period of your life that like you always look back at high school and you can like point out like yeah that teacher was sick
3: absolutely Because,
4: like, in high school, you're going through, like, all of your dramatic changes, and, like, everything seems so much, like, so serious, but, like, you look back, and it's not, but, like, um, granted, I didn't have, like, a full college experience, but uh, I think that if I did, I would still kind of look, from the college that I went to, where, like, I didn't even remember my teachers' names, but I can think about, like, high school, and I can remember all my favorite teachers
3: right well because there's definitely so many high school teachers end up playing you know more than one role in a lot of kids lives you know when you do find that teacher that you gel with um, you know on on whatever subject they're teaching and then you find yourself coming to them about personal life questions like you know after class or something and you know they play a teacher they play a psychologist they play a supporter it's like yeah those are the people who impact your life and you're going to be you know on your deathbed and being like Oh, man, you know, Mrs. Stewart was sick, like she was she was great, yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent, um the whole time that you were saying that, I was just like thinking about one teacher, right, so like you're you're absolutely right because <laughs> I've definitely been there,
3: yeah, no that's- that's spectacular. <laughs>
5: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
3: Hey, let's put a pin in this conversation for a moment because I have to tell you about an amazing new record from a bank called Conveyor. The record is called No Future, and Victory Records is putting it out. Basically, if you soak up melodic hardcore, not unlike Knock Loose, Stick to Your Guns, 100th, all that sort of stuff, these dudes deliver the goods. I, I got keyed into them via their last record. It was just one of those things a person recommended to me, and I listened to it. I was like, "Oh, this is cool." But then listening to this record, step up—they just know what they're doing. I'm playing a little bit of the background, and uh, I'll play you—you know—like good 15, 20 seconds of the song to kind of get you, get your appetite wet. But what you need to do is you need to go over to victorymerch.com slash store slash conveyor I'll toss that in the show notes so that way you're not uh, confused on where to go but prior to the record they have a bunch of awesome options vinyl, shirts all that fun stuff but this particular song is called Whetstone and I'll play a little bit of it and then we'll dive back into the conversation with Brian but this is a really good record like I said if you like this melodic hardcore stuff you will love this LP so check it out band's name is Conveyor Records called No Future. Here it
5: is. You'll take what's left. What's left, DOM?
3: Um, and I find it that another thread I wanted to pull on was I find it interesting how you were saying, you know, because the, uh, pressure, uh, had been lifted from you in regards to, you know, the, the previous band, what was the name of the the band that you were, you know, really, I guess, like you said, taking seriously and, you know, trying to, you know, m- m- push it forward.
5: Um,
4: we were called remember me always. Okay. Very corny name. Yep. Um, yes. very, just like, um, uh, Parkway Drive ripoff. Okay, got it, got it. Well, I just I, I, like I super riffy, rip. And and I tried to do like Lows, and like I sounded like completely different. Um, but like we never really did anything. Like out you can't even find it um, online. Um, yeah, because it's just like we just played like a couple, a handful of local shows, and like. The only people that cared about us like went to our high school.
3: Right, right. And it, it, the reason I bring that up is because I, I I find it interesting when you know you you really do put a lot of you know effort and time and planning and every decision you're making in regards to whether it's like the naming of the band or writing the songs, like you know you're putting a lot into it. And then once that I once that kind of gets you know peeled away. And then you just start writing music because like it's fun and it's with your friends or whatever. And then that thing ends up becoming you know the most successful thing you've done to date musically. <laughs> that's when you're like, wait, why does that happen? Like that's weird.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even think about it that way until you said it. And it's funny because both um, both bands that I've taken serious, uh, Remember Me Always and Knocked Loose, uh, nobody in the band named them. And i don't think i've actually said that in a knock loose interview but uh we didn't actually name knock loose our friend did okay <laughs> that's, because that's, uh, that's
3: amazing please how, how so like you your friend was at practice or how did it go
4: well the other band my old band we were just like what should we name it and then our friend was like hey i saw this written on a desk in science like name it. I remember me always And I remember specifically telling him, like, I don't like it, but we'll do that until we think of something cooler. And then (laughs) we, like, never changed it. But with Knock Loose, um, we actually were named Manipulator. And looking back on it now, like, I'm glad that we changed it. But we announced our first show ever as Manipulator. And it was, like, not even, like, an hour. And, like, some other local band from Ohio messaged us and they were like we're called manipulator and like if you don't change your name we're gonna sue and we were just like okay like it's really not all that but um so we were like we gotta change our name and and it put like pressure on us because we our show was already announced so like we gotta do it and we gotta do it soon because we're about to play our first show and and my friend scott um who books a lot in Louisville and he's become like one of my best friends. But I remember he was just like sending me a list of names and most of them I was like, Scott, you're not slick. I know that these are just album names. Like you're just like on your iPod looking at albums. And then he sent Knocks Loose and I was just like, I kind of like that. Yeah. And like the band kind of liked it. So then we were just like, yeah, let's do that. So right, let's try that out.
3: <laughs> well, there's definitely, yeah, you you can't name your band after another band's album title, but it's 100 percent acceptable to name your band after another band's song title. That is like tried and true. Like when you don't know the name of your band, just start, oh yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> you you can point. I mean, unless it's like. A completely obvious, like the most popular song from a band. Like you know, no one to this day could name their band like Nerdy without being like, "Okay, guys, like calm down. Like we know you yeah. like poison the well, but seriously." <laughs> exactly.
4: It's funny though because like I'm like I'm the guy and the man that's like obsessed with all things hardcore. Like I love to like do research. Like I love to hear stories. When I meet somebody that's like been involved. In uh, hardcore for like really long, um, I'll just like pick their brain. Like we got the opportunity to tour with Stick to Your Guns, and their guitar player plays in Walls of Jericho, and their other guitar player sang for Casey Jones, and he played guitar for Evergreen Terrace. Yep. So I was just like, tell me stories. Like Chris from uh, Stick to Your Guns and Walls of Jericho, like has toured with Earth Crisis. So I'm like. Yeah, like, I just want to hear stories. Like I'm that guy. Like I love the the history of it. So like the more that I like do this research, like I'll come across a band and I'll be listening to their record and I'm like, damn, these are all band names. Like, <laughs> I'll like find them all the time.
3: Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. And it's so funny too. Cause when you find them, it, it's like, you know, it's like this little treasure and the only people that care about it is like you know the nerdiest of the nerdiest people. Yeah, <laughs> I put I I completely yeah. identify, I completely identify with you because I'm very much that same person. So it's like you know you're talking about people who are just like, well, actually this is this thing, and you're like, oh gosh, you're, you're such a nerd. And you're like, yep, absolutely, I found this. Yeah. Band. I found this band name, and I'm excited about it.
4: <laughs> yeah, 100. Um, I'm like the nerd, and especially if it has anything to do with like Louisville, like I. Uh, i love it because like louisville especially like there's not a lot of bands from kentucky especially louisville that you can that you can like think of right off the top of your head right so like when i'm on the road and like i like buy a lot of records on the road because like i refuse to buy records online unless it's like an album pre-order of like one of my friends or something but like i don't like to buy records online because i like the hunt i like like flipping through the records and then like you stumble across something that you like and you're like holy crap i can't believe they have this so like yeah. I, I only buy records on tour or in my local like record store and i'll be like i was like in montreal in canada and like i came across a by the grace of god record mm-hmm. which is the hardcore band from louisville Absolutely. and i was just like well, like, I can't believe this is in Canada. Like, right, how'd this get up here? This is my home. Yeah, yeah exactly.
3: <laughs> no, that's that's incredible. It's funny that you mentioned that because this this was actually going to be one of my last little, uh, you know, aside questions at the very end. But, like, I noticed uh, on your Instagram you were stoked because you got uh, a copy of uh, Guilt's Bardstown Ugly Box, which is, like, the fact you were stoked on that made me feel uh, like I like you that much better because, like, no one, no one fucking talks about that band. And, it, it, like, and that was... Like, that was an entry point for me. Like, on the very first Victory-style compilation, you know, like, I-, I didn't know the difference between, like, Guilt and Strife. Like, I just, you know, these were band names. And so, like, musically, yeah. I identified with Guilt. Like, I loved Guilt. I was like, Guilt and Dead Guy, so sick. Like, Earth Crisis, Strife, and Snapcase, like, cool, too, but, like, Guilt and Dead Guy. And so, like, anytime anybody mentions that, and the fact that you posted that, and I don't know, it just made, it made me really, really happy.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's another little band. Absolutely. Um, the singer of that band played guitar. By the grace of God, yes, he did. Um, and he was also an endpoint. Oh yeah,
3: there's the yeah, the, I, they, and the, the connections just go on and on from there. It's it's beautiful.
4: Yeah, well, like if you're in if you play in a band in Louisville, chances are you play in almost every band in Louisville. Sure, that's a very because like point. we just we share members. Like it's small enough to where you're just like, hey, you're the only guitar player I know. So playing this band. So but yeah, I found that guilt record. It's funny that you said that and I don't mean I, I hope that this doesn't insult you because you did just tell me that you were like a music nerd. Um but when I just gave the story about finding by the grace of God in Montreal that was actually that guilt record, but I was like, nobody knows who guilt is so I'll just tell him it was by the grace of God. <laughs>
3: dude i i I think i think we've definitely become uh very good friends within talking to each other half an hour that's so cool i love yeah Yeah, i love that because yeah it's very uh yeah there's certain things where it's like you just you find and you become so passionate about and then you know you feel like you're you know one of only like 40 people that likes it so i totally understand where you're like oh dude i can't go that obscure like no one knows that band so
4: (laughs) yeah exactly um and so then you know I I think that I agree with Go ahead. I think that I agree with you as well as far as like um, connecting with bands like that because like you mentioned like Dead Guy like I feel like that whole era of like what can now be considered like metalcore but like back in the day everything was just hardcore but like that whole era of metalcore that was like really weird like I've always connected with it like Botch and Cave In and like the darker stuff, like Bloodlet and like stuff like that, like I've always connected with that more as well, like my music taste when it comes to like heavy music is like on like opposite sides of the spectrum because you have i'll either like love fans like Youth of Today, that's like completely youth crew, or I'll love like botch, which is like the f- the far side the other way when it comes to like heavy music and. So I agree with you. Like, when it comes to, like, all those bands, Strive, yeah. Snapcase, like, they're all sick, but I connect with, like, the weird stuff.
3: Yeah, totally. Well, because, yeah, I mean, and, too, you feel like it's it's your own in a way, because, like, you know, I mean, those those bands that are popular and are timeless within hardcore are for a reason, you know? Because they're so goddamn good. Like, it's, und- you know, it's undisputable. Like, yeah, there are people who could be like, yeah, I don't like Youth of today. And that's fine. But, you know, it's like, find me... You know, 40 people that go Gorilla Biscuit starts a day. Not that good of a record. It's like, come on. You're like, you're just doing, yeah. that, to, you're just doing that to be a contrarian. But there are, yeah. there are many people in which you could play, you know, the, I was just listening to like, this was like maybe two weeks ago. I was just revisiting the, uh, the guilt EP that came out and, you know, after it was like that six song EP, the untitled one. And I was like, God, this is so good. Oh, yeah. This is so good. But there's no way that I could play this for anybody and be like, hey, this is really good, you'll like it. Most people would just be like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I know, sorry.
4: <laughs> it's so weird. i had known guilt from uh, Bardstown Ugly Box. It was like the first thing I listened to, and I actually like went back, and I listened to their first 7-inch Empty, and I think arguably that's probably my favorite release by them, but I remember after I got Bardstown Ugly Box, like, the physical copy, I was like, I'm going to listen to them, And I listened to that Untitled EP for the first time. And it was like, I was driving along and I was blaring it. And that intro was like three minutes long. Yeah. just like this weird drum buildup. Yep. But I thought that it was so sick. And that was one of those perfect moments where I was like, I can't explain this to anybody because they're going to be like, this is so annoying. Like, will it please just kick in? <laughs> and I'm like, no, you don't get it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, totally, totally. Um, well, kind of kinda bringing it back to a few, uh, I, I really like that we went on that tangent that made me really happy, but <laughs> there are a few other uh, things about Knock Loose I wanted to talk about where, um, you know, once, like you mentioned, the intention of the band was never like, oh yeah, here we are, we're going to tour, we're going to do all these things. Like that came about, you know, because people started to pay attention to you and you started to have, you know, a little bit of heat on you guys. A- as you've grown in popularity, and you know are arguably on some of you know the largest national tours and a lot of people are paying attention to you guys um how did that i guess sit in your head like was there a lot of things that you had to get kind of used to because you know i mean people care always about the singer of the band they're always like oh what's the singer up to and like you know i'll, I'll follow him on instagram or whatever and you know you've never had that sort of attention before so how have you i guess navigated that and what challenges have you seen within that
4: um, i think that like um well, like a couple of different things, like one, I don't even I don't think that we ever took the time to um, really like realize how well things are going because we as soon as we started, we just haven't stopped. Like we've been on tour pretty consistently. Um, and we just like we like that work method, like let's just go in and let's never stop going in. And um but on the other hand like uh there's definitely been times and like uh I've done interviews and like they've been like too personal and um you haven't, uh so don't worry about it. But uh that was definitely weird for me to think about because I feel like when there's like when you are a person and you start to get this attention on you like there are no secrets anymore and there are some things that I, I like would rather keep in my personal life and I'm so afraid of like offending people um especially when I'm representing my band I don't want that person to tell their friends like oh I got the chance to talk with Vine and he was like really rude so like there would be times and like I would just answer these questions anyways and then it it did get to a point where it was like is there any way, that, like, I could hear these questions first kind of thing? Um, because, like, some people are just, like, like, I'm not going to name names or throw anybody under the bus, but, like, I did an interview once and a guy asked me how old I was. And I was like, I'm 23. And he was like, dang, you're pretty young to talk about dying all the time. And I was like, <laughs> That's like, in my head I was like, that's really awkward. Like, yeah. Like, that's not something that I want to talk about. So, like, it's definitely weird, um, especially because in my lyrics, I do take, uh, I take that opportunity uh, as a writer to be as honest as I can be because that is my outlet and that is my opportunity to say things that I don't want to say in conversation. And um, I don't want to say, like, I did that to myself because that, like, phrase has so many, like, negative connotations. I definitely am not... I don't regret anything that I've ever said on record, but it was hard to get used to. Like, okay, now these people know how I feel about all these different topics. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. Well, because, too, I mean, certain things, especially when you're talking about, you know, a band's first or, you know, sometimes second record, you're writing them in a vacuum, you know? You're writing them with the expectations that very few people are going to listen to these things. And then when you have to reckon with it, with you know people actually hearing it and people actually connecting with it it's a it, you know it's, it, it's kind of whiplash you know when people start yelling the words right back in your face it's kind of like oh wow like you know either you know i have yeah. to be, i have to be more responsible or i have to think about it differently um you know and not saying that you are gonna pull punches on your next record or anything like that but there does become a level of responsibility where you're just like okay like you know i granted, I'm in a much different place than I was, you know, whatever, two or three years ago when I first wrote these lyrics, but um, th- there does there does need to be a different consideration once you have a platform as opposed to when you've been thrust in it and you're just like, oh, uh, well, yeah, I guess I, I will explain <laughs> the, the mindset of myself yeah. writing these lyrics when I first yeah, exactly. did it. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I totally, I empathize. No, trust
4: me, like, when I know exactly what you mean because, like, when we first started touring, we were just touring off of our EP, Pop Culture. Um, the more that we would tour off of that, and the more that we would see, like, "Holy crap! Like these kids are singing along, they're going nuts." It was like, <clears throat> it was so funny because we never we wrote that EP thinking that only our friends in mobile were going to hear it. So like. Like I said, I don't regret anything I've ever done on the record, but if I got the opportunity to do that record now, I would do it so different because we, like, there's so many, like, parts in that record where we literally just goofed off because we were like, nobody's going to hear it. Like, our one of our, like, arguably most popular songs that we play live is a song called All My Friends. And in that song on the recorded version, there's, like, a part where everything stops for literally eight counts. And it's just all of our friends in the studio yelling and like a lot of it gives me the opportunity to like, I'll like say like some like intimidating wash call or like whatever. But on recording, like it literally just stops for eight counts. And like if I was writing a record now, like I would never do that. But like we were just like, nobody's going to hear this. Like who cares? Like let's just goof off and yell for like 10 seconds and then have it kick back in. Right. You said you're doing, so it's like funny that you said that. Yeah. Because it's not now like all these people like listen to it and it's like,
3: dang. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're, yeah. In in hindsight, uh, we may have handled that a little bit differently if we again because you're writing in a vacuum you're just you know satisfying yourself which you know granted yes some people would argue it's like oh that's the most truest representation of yourself when you're right you know you're creating art with no idea that anybody is paying attention and yeah that's that is true to a certain extent but at the same time when you are writing for yourself and then understand the responsibility of your words i think that's the best place to be in, you know, as an artist, when you're actually creating something, when you're like, yeah. oh, like this this can have impact. This can be meaningful. This can get someone through a hard time or whatever it is you're trying to express. So yeah, I I understand yeah. where
4: you're coming from. I agree with you. And I with all that being said, like my lyric my lyrical content like is not going to change. Like even knowing that like every now and then I might have to deal with, like, the one awkward question that's, like, hey, why are you like this? But, like, even knowing that, like, this is just, like, it's all that I know. Like, I'm going to continue to be honest because my favorite music is the music where, even if I can't relate to it, I know that they feel what they're doing. Um, And, like, I, I can't, like, I can't be a storyteller. I can't, like... I can't tell everybody that everything's going to be okay. I know that that sounds like really cynical, but like I don't know everybody's situation, so I'm just going to speak from my situation. And um, it's something that I pride myself on.
2: Yeah.
4: Because like I can firmly stand behind every stand I've ever made. Um, and I, I'm going to continue to do that. But it was definitely hard to, like weird to get used to. -hmm. When people started listening.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, the two last things I want to on before I let you go was the um, and kind of on that same tip where you know as we've kind of alluded in previous points in the conversation how it, it's I'm sure you can understand that it's easy for people to <clears throat> criticize you and look at you because it's like oh yeah it's like here's this you know overnight success band that kind of popped up in the midwest and all of a sudden they're on cool tours and whatever you know all of the on- the online criticism that exists for many bands that start to rise to any sort of level of prominence, um, was that, was that something that was difficult for you to start to like reckon with when people you were just like, why are people talking shit on us or why are people saying like we're not true hardcore, whatever you know those those arguments are. Yeah. Or, or was that something that you know you just kind of had to try to um, you know maybe learn how to navigate and be like, well, I can address these things but not these things, or you know, how did that all swirl around in your head?
4: Well. Um I choose to just not address any of it, but I definitely see it. Um, I wouldn't say that it was, like, really hard because, like, we expected it. Like, we knew going into it, not everybody's going to like your band. Like, there's no band in the world that every single person in the world likes. Um, so, like, we knew that it was going to come. So when we started to see it, it was just like, okay, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I think that the only thing that, like, personally bums me out is when I see bands that I like like, members of bands that I like say, like, stuff about us on the internet. Um, because then I'm just like, man, that sucks. Like, I really like your band. And, like, you, you're being, like, really rude. Like, I don't... I don't, like... I'm not trying to uh, sound petty or anything. But, like, I don't share negative opinions on the internet. Because they can be damaging. I'll share good opinions I'll be like Hey check this band out They're super sick But I mean There's a ton of bands That I don't like uh, That doesn't mean I have to speak on it So when I see The only time I get upset Is when I see like Bands that I've seen live And I'm like Man this band's great And I'll buy their record And I'll buy merch And I'll talk to their singer And be like You are great And I'll shake his hand And then like A couple weeks later I see that same guy Like on Twitter Talking about how like We're not a hardcore band And it's like Man come on Like I put a lot into hardcore, uh, whether you think knocked loose is a hardcore band or not. Um, and like the, the second that knocked loose stopped caring about what people labeled us as genre wise, was like a, also a weight off my shoulders because like, we'll still see the argument every now and then, but now it's just like, I literally don't care. Like when we started the band, we were like, yeah, we're a hardcore band. And then as soon as we started touring and we started to see like, the reaction that that was getting it was like okay whatever I don't care like, you can call us whatever you want that's not going to change our sound because of, like, if all of you agree that we're metalcore we're not going to stray further to that side you know what I mean like I feel like the the name of the genre like has literally nothing to do with what we decide to play it's It's always just going to be like really stupid heavy. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the only goal.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's interesting because, like, uh, you know, just using my own selfish perspective on the music that you guys create, it's like, yeah, there's influences from, you know, more modernish bands. Like, when I, when I say modern, like, I don't even mean, like, the past couple of years, but it's like, you know, there's, like, Acacia Stray, like, Despised Icon, but definitely less, you know, of the deathcore thing that they had going on. But then I also hear elements of bands that, um, you know, you guys probably weren't intentionally doing, but just because of your maybe your own personal um, affinity for a lot of the, you know, mid-90s metalcore stuff. It's like, you know, there's there's like elements of like torn apart and turmoil and that sort of stuff. And so to me... To me, I look at it where I actually put you guys in a category that I've made up in my own head of like, I compare you to a band like Title Fight, where it's like, so Title Fight was able to do something that I believe was really important and crucial, where it's like, these are, you know, younger kids in their mid-20s, like once they started to, you know, rise to prominence, who were creating music that was of the moment but then also really harkened back to you know bands like quicksand and everything else like that so it's like they had this post hardcore yeah. thing mixed with like pop punk whereas i look what you guys are doing where it's like yeah you're combining the old and new influences and then making it something that is uh you know uniquely your own so i would uh you know not not try to blow smoke up your ass but i think that's kind of the space you fit in where it's like and that's maybe why it's harder for old people to you know when i say old people it's like anybody over the age of like 27 is old and hardcore but like <laughs> like yeah. to, to listen to you guys and just be like oh whatever this is like stupid beat down stuff but it's like if you actually listen to it there is uh there's more nuance there than just like you know people who are looking to you know pit hard or whatever
4: yeah and and like i agree with you um and i, I definitely agree with you it's like the title fight thing i think that that's really important like um, it's really rare to find a band that can pull off playing uh, like every side of our world, like the heavy music world. Like they are like a, an emo band or like however you want to classify them. But like they play this as hardcore and people go freaking nuts. You know what I mean? And I, I love that because Noctilus has always wanted to be the kind of band that like, uh, we're not afraid to play any show uh we've done like the hardcore tours with youth group bands and we've done the metalcore tours with stick your guns in Casey strain like whatever like and we've had fun on both because we love both we're not a- afraid to play any show we we just played a rap show on friday in new york city
3: yeah with daddy brown i saw that that's amazing
4: Oh, okay. And I want I want that because like I love all kinds of music but not only that but like I want those kids to come back out. Absolutely. Like next time we play in New York City, like hopefully there's like some hip hop fans there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I saw you guys at Danny Brown, I thought it was sick. So like uh Yeah. Just like I feel like you don't I feel like starting your band to just play hardcore shows is uh, is, is like damaging like it's fun for like a demo but like a hardcore band's life expectancy is so short because like it's just it's such a small like subculture that like
3: Yeah, it's not. It's not sustainable. And plus, I like the notion of the idea of playing in front of people who may have never been exposed to aggressive music or hardcore or punk or whatever you want to call it in general. So it's like you know, some kid's life could be you know irrevocably changed because they attended that show, you know, with Danny Brown. All of a sudden, they're listening to you know Knock Loose, and then they start to you know whatever they get into Slipknot. Whatever it doesn't matter how they are influenced, but all of a sudden they could be just like a total hip hop head and then turn into, you know, someone who is more well-rounded musically because they have been experienced. They they saw you guys, you know, like there, there's nothing that's better than being a gateway band to a musical genre. Yeah.
4: And 100%. And I don't want to like label us as that because I feel like that's very like, uh, no, that was, that was me saying it, it. that was me saying it, not you. But if we, yeah but if we get the opportunity to play that role like i am grateful 100% like we are very like uh, fortunate to play to a lot of like really young kids and like i remember being that young and in a lot of ways like i'm still that young uh, as far as like those kids are like super impressionable and i'll have kids come up to me all the time and i'm sure the other members of my band are the same way and they'll like ask us like what shirt are you wearing And, like, where I'm from, it's not, like, the kind of thing where, like, oh, you don't know this band? Like, you must be new. But, no, like, where I'm from, it's like, oh, you like this band? You should check out all of these other bands. So, like, kids will come up to me and ask me about my shirt, and I will just punish them. I'll just be like, oh, you like this? Like, you should check this band out. They sound like this. And if you like them, you should check out these six other bands, too. Like.
3: Yeah, oh yeah, no, that's that's really, really cool that you do that, because yeah, you, you're like, how much time do you have? You got half an hour, I'm going to go through the lineage of why this band is important and why I'm wearing this shirt at this very moment.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Especially because I'm the one in the band that will wear shirts that like sound nothing like knock Loose. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, if you like us, I don't know if you'll like this, but you should still check it out. Yeah,
3: well, dude, that's awesome. I, lo- I love when people are conscious about the, the shirts that they wear. Cause I think, it, you know, for whatever reason, I think people, um, you know, that playing bands might think that that's like some, you know, we like, Oh, you're putting way too much thought about what you're wearing on stage or whatever. And it's like, dude, it's a, it's a walking billboard. It's rad. And if you're able to educate somebody on, you know, a band it, just because they see you wearing a t-shirt, it's like, that's great. Why is that a negative thing that you're paying attention to that?
4: Yeah. I'm i I'm like obsessed with fashion. I'm like constantly like too worried about what I'm wearing. So <laughs> only time somebody asks me about what I'm wearing I'm like I'm so glad you noticed.
3: <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you for asking. This is the question I was actually looking forward to answering. <laughs>
4: yeah
3: <laughs> that's amazing um well one last thing I want to hit on before I let you go was the um basically every uh piece whether it's like an interview or something that's been written about you guys even if, like from reviews of your records and stuff people are always like oh man like this is such a violent pit like you know knocked Loose really tries to bring out the pit violence and whatever I mean I'm just using you know a, a very uh, uh cliched thing that I've seen about people writing uh, to me the i mean granted you know I'll, I'll put the caveat that i've actually never seen you guys play live so that's my fault but the the notion that you are you know bringing a new level of violence to shows to me just doesn't even make sense in my head it may, it leads me to believe that the person writing that like hasn't ever witnessed like uh, a you know live show or something like that but um have you noticed yeah. that like have you noticed that that sort of uh I mean, it's it's not necessarily negative, but people are just kind of like really hyping that up, that idea up of like, oh, knock loose, man, super violent and i i you know if, if from the videos that I've seen online, it's was just like, oh, yeah, it's a hardcore show, like I don't know does where does it sit in your head?
4: yeah I think that I think that they're mainly just focusing on like the sound like it's a violent sound uh without ever actually seeing us live. um there's definitely been knocked loose shows where I'm like even while I'm playing, I'm like, holy crap, they're beating the hell out of each other. And, like, I love a hard pit, but I'm another question, well, like, a question that I've gotten before, but I feel like I don't get to touch base enough on it because of the kind of music those plays. Like, I don't like people beating the shit out of people that don't want to get beat up. You know what I mean? Like, I firmly believe that there should be a place that you can stand where you're not going to get hit. With that being said, sometimes you play shows where everybody's down to get hit, and it's, like, crazy violent. But it's, like, not as consistent as people would think when it comes to not blues. We've always been more of, like, when it comes to, like, our live shows, the sing-alongs have always been more crazy than the pit would be. And I think that it's it's definitely, like, changed in that aspect with, like, the tours that we've done because, like, the bigger tours that we do – And, like, I'm not trying to, like, diss people that come to our shows at all. But the bigger tours that we do, the softer the pit gets. You know what I mean? Because, like, when we would play shows that, like, like before Pure Noise, when we were touring with just our friends' bands, and we would, like, play a house show, and it was just, like, crazy. Like, people just, like, beating the absolute hell out of you. Like, pits that I would never get in personally. And then now I get to a point where, like, you'll play, like, a giant venue with, like, 600 people. And, like, it's not as crazy. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy in, like, a different sense. Or, like, I would prefer to watch a ton of kids pitting at once than just a couple dudes beating the shit out of each other. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you know I mean? totally. Well, and plus the usually one, you know, once the larger shows happen, it's usually the scale of the event that is impressive. You know, it's like, you know, watching, uh, watching a band like a uh, ceremony play, um, you know is is awesome like when they're playing in front of two or three hundred people and they you know they have a violent pit or whatever you know much less to their newer stuff for obvious reasons but the uh yeah but the enormity of like you know watching ceremony at sound and fury in you know 2007 or whatever isn't so much that like oh the pit's super violent it's like holy shit there's like a thousand people singing along you know that that is what's like yeah you know goosebump inducing as opposed to like you said you know just (laughs) the you know the bigger shows where it's like oh cool there's like 10 huge dudes that are just like trying to beat the crap out of each other
4: yeah and like i love the sing-alongs like um i think that like the more that we play the more that like i I say this all the time when it comes to like reviewing shows that we play like after the set i'll be like was that a sick set because of this or this or this and um Usually, knocked loose the way that it goes, it's like, oh, that show was sick because people were singing along like crazy, or it's that show was sick because people were pitting like crazy. But every now and then, we get lucky enough to do both, and it's like people were pitting, <clears throat> we pitting super hard, but for like the parts that like needed a sing along, they were all there, and like that's like my favorite kind of show to play. But the more that we play, I think the more that I prefer the the sing alongs. Because, like, when you play, like I said before, like, uh, to 600 kids, there's no way in hell that all 600 of them are going to pit. But there might be a chance that all 600 of them are going to say, all my friends are dead, when we hit that part. And, like, that's the coolest thing ever. Like, uh, that's why I said that's, like, arguably our biggest song that we play live. Because, like, hearing everybody do that part, like, it never doesn't blow me away you know
3: what i mean absolutely well and plus i mean plus it gets everybody involved which is like even more um yeah inclusive you're just like this is great like you know no matter what size a person is or or gender or anything like that it's the great equalizer where everybody can participate you know he doesn't matter if you have a good yeah. singing voice or a good yelling voice people are all singing along and it's uh yeah it's the, the warm fuzzies that <laughs> that bring that out in hardcore
4: yeah <laughs> Well, We've team. literally played shows where that part has made me cry. That's incredible. Because like uh like the the first time we ever played like a big show, it was a mixtape fest a couple years ago and we owe a lot of like where we are right now to Mixtape Fest because that's how like Pure Noise heard about us and like so on and so forth. But like I remember that there was like over a thousand people there. And it was the first time we ever played to that many people. And we were all like so nervous. And I remember before we started playing, I looked at our drummer and I was like, if they all do the all oh, my friends are dead part, I'm going to cry. And he was like, dude, me too. But then sure enough, they did. And I like had to like turn around. I was like tearing up. I was like, I'm about to look really not tough.
3: Right. <laughs> totally. You're like, I. please excuse me. I'm being emotionally overwhelmed right now. Hold. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude that's amazing well honestly the, this is this was all that I had but thank you so much for hanging out this has been uh, this has been fun and I definitely uh, I, I like I said I felt a kinship with you prior to us speaking but now I feel uh, yeah I, I, I feel like uh, when we meet in real life it'll be uh, it'll be brotastic, even though that's not a word but anyways <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying
4: yeah 100% I, I really enjoyed talking to you and I hope that the next time we're in the area you do get the chance to come out we yeah, can yeah. hang out
3: There that is. There it is. There is the episode. (laughs) I always try to figure out a way to uh, segue out of the interview, but I always end up saying the same thing. And um, yeah, I try to break that because basically what I've noticed, almost every single podcast that is an interview format... Has without much further ado, here is the guest, and I know that I've said that a million times in the past, and so I'm trying not to be like every other person and saying the same stuff over and over. So, anyways, because I know that some of you pick on me because I tend to use certain words a lot, like obviously. Um, but anyways, that's just I want to let you know that I try to not be annoying. <laughs> that's a that's a big effort of mine to make sure that you're listening to the show and you're not like God, this this Ray guy, total tool. Don't want to listen to him anymore. But uh, anyways, thank you very much, Brian. Thank you very much to Biggie's manager for setting this up. And uh, my condolences because he recently uh, had his father pass away. And um, yeah, that's always a heartbreaking thing. So uh, keep your chin up, dude. And uh, know that my thoughts are there. And uh, for all the people that are listening to the show, they are uh, probably as well, even though they may not know you. But um, the guest next week is a great chat that I had with an old friend of mine, Keith Barney. He played in the band Eighteen Visions. He also played in Death by Stereo. He also played in Eight in uh, We'll say Eighteen Visions again. No, he played in Adamantium, which was where my first introduction to him was, um, and uh, yeah, he was great because uh, he just invited me over to his house. We hung out in his backyard and really just uh, chopped it up. So um yeah, that's next week, and um we're just so close to our five-year anniversary, and I've uh, you know. I was really wrestling around in my head to like make this a big deal and be like, Oh, let's get this like crazy guest or whatever. And, um, I, am not going to make that big, de- big a deal out of it. It's going to be a very, very good episode because I have a person who, um, you know, I respect his work and we got him on the show, but, um, yeah, I just, I'm just going to keep on keeping on, you know, how about that? Right. We don't need to, you know, maybe just give myself a little pat on the back, but uh, other than that, it'll be business as usual here. So that's that. And, um, please be safe, everybody until next week. Bye.
1: You've been listening
3: to the Jabberjaw podcast network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.
2: The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them. can make all of the difference.